0: Good afternoon from the University of Southern California and welcome to Annenberg Radio News for Wednesday, March 4th, 2015. I'm Elizabeth Notemaker. The U.S. Justice Department is calling on police in Ferguson, Missouri to reform its practices. The department released the results of its investigation into the shooting of 18-year-old Michael Brown. Megan Coyle shares her reaction.
1: The Justice Department today said Ferguson police officer Darren Wilson will not face federal civil rights charges for the fatal shooting of Michael Brown last August. The report released today concluded that there was no evidence to disprove that Wilson feared for his life. But a separate report did find evidence of racial bias among the Ferguson police force. The Justice Department highlighted routine police infractions, including racist emails and racially motivated arrests. Media critic Earl Ofari Hutchinson explains what the findings about Ferguson Police Department means for L.A. We know we have problems here with the LAPD. I think LAPD Chief Beck, L.A. County Sheriff Jim McDonald, I think they would be very wise to look very closely at the recommendations that were made by the Justice Department vis Ferguson, Missouri, and do a check, a thorough check in their department to see if all the reforms and if all the problems that were spotlighted there, if they exist in this department, and take proactive action. The LAPD is also at the center of investigations over their use of excessive force and racial profiling. The most recent incident was this past week when police officers shot and killed a homeless black man on Skid Row. Megan Coyle, Annenberg Radio News.
0: On Skid Row this afternoon, four police officers were involved in a scuffle with a man who tried to grab a TV news camera. The man reached for an officer's holster during the altercation. LAPD says he was detained after being stunned twice with a taser. This happened just three days after LAPD officers shot and killed a homeless man on Skid Row. Today, police identified him as a Cameroon national. He was also a convicted robber that U.S. immigration officials attempted to deport in 2013. It was an underwhelming turnout for yesterday's Los Angeles primary election. Only 86 of eligible L.A. County voters went to the polls. Excuse me, 8.6%. Dan Schnur, the director of the Jesse Unruh Institute of Politics, was more than surprised.
2: We knew that turnout was going to be low, but even I didn't expect a turnout under 10%. It's horrible
3: and embarrassing for all sorts of reasons.
0: When all of the provisional and absentee ballots are counted, the final total could bump to 11%. In the city council election, one district will go to a runoff. In the fourth district, Carolyn Ramsey will go to a runoff election in May. But who she will face is still up in the air. Voters also passed two charter amendments that will move L.A. and school board elections from odd to even years when higher profile races are on the ballot. A gunman on the run near USC triggered a massive manhunt last night. Russell Simon spoke with a student who witnessed the search.
3: Cop cars started swarming the neighborhood and choppers started coming in. That was Marco Sanfilippo describing the scene in front of his apartment near USC last night during a large manhunt for two armed men. And then I went inside uh, for a little bit and then realized that the commotion was still going on after a couple minutes and came back out and there was cop cars stationed about every five houses. The chase began at 7 p.m. after two men fled from their car during an LAPD traffic stop in front of Ralph's supermarket on Vermont and Adams. One of them was immediately caught, but the other fled into a neighborhood with a lot of student housing. Students were warned to stay away from the area, which is five blocks north of campus, while police searched for the man. He was caught by a canine unit hiding in a dumpster behind an apartment complex. Police have not released the names of either of the suspects, and the investigation remains ongoing. Russell Simon, Annenberg Radio News.
0: The same deadly superbug that killed two people at UCLA Medical Center has spread to Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. Officials say four patients at Cedars were infected with the bacteria known as CRE. Another 68 patients may have been exposed. One infected patient has since died, but not from CRE. This latest outbreak is being blamed on unsterile medical scopes used during endoscopic procedures. Children in Los Angeles breathe more easily now than they did in the 90s, according to a 20-year study released today. The Children's Health Study was conducted by USC. It followed more than 2,000 children living in the same areas of Los Angeles. Air quality has improved, and with it, lung growth increased and rates of asthma dropped. W. James Godderman is a professor at the Keck School of Medicine.
3: We looked at a number of factors, and we saw improvements in all kinds of children. The projections are, of course, even more cars and trucks on our roads, so we have to continue to be vigilant about the emissions of these sources.
0: The study also found that children have a higher risk of developing asthma if they live near busy roadways. But if they have healthy lungs, it makes them less likely to develop diseases later in life. A decision from the UC Board of Directors means your cousin from Rhode Island might be depressed when she receives her letter from Berkeley. Caitlin Plummer explains why.
2: UCLA and UC Berkeley will start capping the number of non-Californian students they accept if the UC system doesn't receive more funding. 30% of the 2014-2015 freshman classes at both campuses are comprised of -of out-of-state students, which is high compared to the other UCs. UC President Janet Napolitano said she would like to accept more in-state students, but the state cannot afford it. Moving forward, the UCs are requesting a raise in state funding, but legislators are requiring a freeze on out-of-state student enrollment in return. Caitlin Plummer, Annenberg Radio News.
0: The L.A. City Council passed a resolution today supporting a challenge to the federal judge's decision to reject President Obama's executive action on immigration. Supporters of Obama's deportation reforms gathered with city councilman Gil Cedillo to express their discontent with the judge's decision.
3: The message is very clear. This movement's united. We're undeterred. We recognize that it's a temporary setback and we want the the president uh, to know that.
0: Representatives from several organizations, such as Children Over Politics, spoke to the importance of these laws for those directly affected by them.
2: If only we were given that opportunity These dreams wouldn't be dreams, they would become goals, and they would be something.
0: If approved, deportation stays would allow undocumented residents who came to the U.S. at a young age and their parents to remain in the country temporarily. Mayor Garcetti announced earlier today the LAFD's new partnership with PulsePoint, a free app that alerts trained CPR administrators to people in need of help nearby. The app aims to cut the response time to sudden cardiac arrests by directing users to the crisis while the LAFD is on its way to the scene. The announcement was made at Woodrow Wilson High School in El Sereno, where 120 students were trained to give CPR. Another busy day in sports in the city of Angels. Here's Max Holm with the day's Sports Minute.
3: Sports Minute with Max Holm. USC basketball is in Westwood tonight to face rival UCLA in their season finale. The Trojans have dropped four straight to the Bruins by an average of over 19 points per game. On the flip side of the round ball, the Clippers and Lakers are in action tonight. The Clippers are at home against the Portland Trailblazers in a preview of a potential playoff matchup. Meanwhile, the Lakers face the Heat in Miami following a close loss to the Charlotte Hornets. Looks like Byron, Scott, and Co. remember they need losses to keep their first-round pick. Switching over to the ice, where the LA Kings and Anaheim Ducks returned to practice today, following victories last night, the Kings ended a three-game skid, and the Ducks are now tied for first in the West. Finally, and sadly, today marks the 25th anniversary of the death of Hank Gathers, an LMU basketball player who briefly attended USC. In a WCC semifinal game against Portland, Gathers collapsed following an emphatic dunk. Soon he stopped breathing and was declared dead on arrival at a nearby hospital, just 23 years of age. This has been the Sports Minute, Max Holm, Annenberg Radio News.
0: Movie star Vince Vaughn had his hands and feet cemented at the TCL Chinese Theater this morning. He thanked fans and colleagues for embracing his body of work.
3: Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to have my family and friends around. and Like you were saying, I remember being a kid and kind of strolling through and being inspired by it. So it's uh, nice to be included.
0: The 44-year-old Chicago native is well-known for his comedic roles in Swingers, Old School, and Dodgeball. Vaughn's new film, Unfinished Business, hits theaters on Friday. It was a rough day for the market, with the Dow, S&P 500, and NASDAQ all closing in the red. Still, Facebook shareholders responded positively to news that its subsidiary, Instagram, will begin rolling out more advertisements, rising nearly 2% on the trading session. The healthcare sector was the lone bright spot on Wall Street after Bristol Myers Squibb received the green light from the FDA on a new lung cancer drug. If you've ever wondered about the origins of curious words and phrases, here's Nick Ring with today's Root Source. Many of you have probably
4: heard Ray Sremer's 2014 single, No Flex, Zone. At the height of its popularity, the single reached number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100. The group's debut album, Srem Life, is a mix of Southern hip-hop composed by brothers Sway Lee and Slim Jimmy. Well, you might have wondered what the phrase no flex zone actually means. Let's break it down right now. According to Urban Dictionary, the phrase refers to a territory where you are not allowed to boast or flaunt. It's all about being modest and not flexing, at least metaphorically speaking. During an interview with Fuse, the group said this about the meaning of the song. It's just like a whole lifestyle that we live, we just live in the good vibes, you know what I'm saying? Everybody getting along with everybody, doesn't matter like what race you are, you know what I'm saying? How fat you are, you know what I'm saying? Everybody just doing them, you know what I'm saying? Everybody just spreading good vibes, you know what I'm saying? That's right. So next time you hear No Flex Zone, remember to chill, relax, right after you finish dancing of course. Nick Ring, Annenberg Radio News.
0: You've heard how films have the power to inspire people, but what about the attractions based off of them? Maya Williams shares her experience with one particular ride inspired by a Steven Spielberg classic.
2: That sound familiar at all? That's the flying theme by legendary film composer John Williams. You may recognize these swelling crescendos from the triumphant ending to steven spielberg's 1987 blockbuster hit et i was three when i first saw the film and it was terrifying when i was eight years old my family took a trip to universal studios hollywood we were a long way from our hometown of North Little Rock, Arkansas, and I was blown away by the magnitude of the studio lot. We took a backlot tour on this humongous tram and saw the sets of Jaws, Backdraft, Jurassic Park, and King Kong. Near the end of the tour was the E.T. attraction. At this point in my life, I'm still horrified by the tiny alien, so I thought. As the tram slowly approaches a huge soundstage, I brace myself, clutching onto my mom's hand. Once we enter, we're asked to fill out name cards and pass them off to a theme park attendant. Then we're led through a miraculous forest, like the one in the movie, where Elliot takes E.T. to try and find him a way home. Inside it's dark, but there are stars and trees, and we tread on green mulch as the soundtrack to the movie fills the speakers. Finally, we're led to a set of silver bicycles suspended from the ceiling and instructed to hop on and strap in. Almost instantaneously, we're bounded up and flying above the forest set and over a cityscape, then into outer space to ET's home planet. I am in awe. It's as if we're living the movie. There's miraculous creatures everywhere, aliens on lily pads and stars and clouds. And finally, we come to an abrupt halt and we sort of start to creep out. And I know the ride is coming to an end and I've just had the most thrilling experience of my life. And then there is E.T., that scary little alien. The one that horrified me and made me hate this film, but I've just been amazed by his world. And as we each pass by, he says goodbye to us one by one. Goodbye, Maya, he says. He says my name. Later, I realize it's because we filled out the name cards and we gave them to the theme park attendant and it was a little machine animatronic alien who remembered our names. But he said my name, and in that moment, we had a connection. And I fell in love with E.T. That's how I fell in love with movies.
0: That's it for today. Our board operator is Lexi Macavinci, Christian Brown is the newscast producer, and the executive producer is Sean Birch. For all of us here at Annenberg Radio News, I'm Elizabeth Nonamaker.